Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Welcome to today's episode, everybody. You know, once in a while, you encounter an artist whose talent is able to, to mesmerize and transport you to a place of pure bliss. And, and that was really my experience when I had a chance to witness today's guest live a few weeks ago. He's a Venezuelan-born pianist and composer who released his first CD, Roads Not Taken, in 1998. That same year, he was named New Artist of the Year at Hennessy Cognac's Jazz Search in New York. Since then, he's gone on to make five more solo albums, collaborate on multiple Grammy-nominated projects, work with the likes of Nestor Torres, Larry Coriel, Shakira, Arturo Sandoval, and even David Lee Roth, which we got to talk about that one, just to name a few. He's also served as music as a music educator and developed music for TV and film. Please welcome to the show the supremely talented Mr. Silvano Monasterios. So, Silvano, welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Carl. It's a real, real pleasure to be here. Oh, the you. pleasure is all mine. So, I got to tell you, I'm a little bit embarrassed that. I really just became familiar with your music when I found out that you were going to be a part of the Gabriella Anders band that played at the Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, right? No so when I, when I found out, I started digging in, and I'm thinking to myself, how is it that I have not heard of this man's music before now? I got to tell you, your songs, I was really kind of blown away by your music. There's such a depth and such a range that you have as a musician, and to say that you didn't disappoint on stage would be an understatement. I had so many people after the Fresh Coast Jazz Festival mentioning your performance and really feeling like it it was just an awesome performance. So so how did this musical journey get started for you? Well, this musical journey started uh, thanks to my father. He was not a musician. He was a pharmacist. Okay. He was a doctor. And he had, uh, you know, he had a drugstore and he had his uh, daily job but he had a piano he bought a piano and he used to play by ear when he was a kid so when he would come for his lunch break at home he would sit and play and you know he would play on our family gatherings and, uh-huh. and when i was four years old i picked it up by ear as okay. well and uh, started playing with him so it's his fault wow wow at four years old you yeah. picked it up and yeah. started playing yeah and i started by ear i i later Obviously, you know, against his will, I have to uh-huh. say, <laughs> I, I went to the conservatory in Caracas uh-huh. when I was probably 10, 11, I don't know, a little late for, for European style, you know, music okay. schools. And then my journey started. And then I discovered jazz when I was 14, uh-huh. thanks to a neighbor of mine that was my age. We kind of grew together in that at that time and he had a George Benson record Ah. and I never heard that so and I never heard the piano or the roads you know Fender Rhodes I became familiar with what a Fender Rhodes was I became familiar with uh, Ronnie Foster with Jorge Dalto who was a great Argentinian pianist that worked with Benson at the time and, and unfortunately died very young so that's how my journey started that's cool that's cool so you owe it all to your dad, really. And so for you, 
I do. Once I you do. got into it, was it pretty much a foregone conclusion that music was your was your passion or I knew it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I knew it. I knew it right okay. away. Okay. Okay. And so you stuck with it all these years. And I gotta tell you though, like you know, listening to your music <laughs> there's so many layers and so much complexity and diversity in your music that it's really like you can't I couldn't put a label on it. So how do you describe your music? Yeah, well, you know, record labels have a problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but you know, it's who I yeah. am. I, you know, I I'm, I can't do anything about it. The thing is that I've been exposed to so many musical styles throughout my lifetime, yeah. and obviously, growing up, the music that I grew up with in Caracas, the music that my parents listen to, you know, Latin music, all music. To my older sister, I owe my knowledge of uh, rock and Uh roll. Like, I I encountered for the first time, thanks to my older sister, the Beatles and Santana and Crosby and, you know, and that kind of stuff that I wasn't familiar with. So I like that too. So I like Latin music. I like classical music. I liked, you know, salsa and Venezuelan folkloric music, which is very important to me as mm-hmm. well. Then rock and roll. Then, then the little R and B that I I would hear, I love too. Thanks to my older sister, I remember she had a cassette of Gladys Knight and the okay. tapes. She had tapes of uh, you know stuff like that that you would know you wouldn't normally listen to in Venezuelan yeah. radio in my childhood. So I was I I had so much information from so many different styles, and that became that all has become part of my language now i guess plus again when i became a professional you know early you know when i was 19 years old i i started playing so many different styles of mm-hmm. music you know i learned so much you know so i love every genre of music yeah. really there's good music in every genre it's just that you have to look a little harder in some yep yeah more than yep. others but 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 there's so that's all part of me and I guess that permeates throughout my music. It, it definitely does. I got to tell you, like I, you know, like I think, like I, I, when I first encountered your music, I thought, okay, I was preparing my ears to hear Latin jazz, and that's not what I heard. You know, I heard, <laughs> no, I, I heard just good yeah. music. Like you're, you know, someone of Latin descent who happens to be who happens to be of Latin descent who's a jazz musician. And who, like other jazz musicians, takes in all these other influences and 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 puts your interpretation to it. And that's one of the reasons why I think for me, like when I dug into your music, I was just like, "Whoa, this is this is this is like I should I should have known about this music a long time ago." (laughs) Well, yeah, I I wish a lot of people would know about my music a little more for sure, but but you know that's. I, I thank you because that's the ultimate compliment that I can receive. That when you listen to my work, you're just listening to music without thinking about any yeah. label yeah. at all. To me, that's really the ultimate compliment. That means that I'm that I'm able to communicate what I yeah. feel. Yeah. And that's so I mean it, it clearly comes across. Like I would tell anybody who who loves good music that boy you have to be a part of their rotation and you you mentioned some of the many different artists that have influenced you i was curious in looking at your bio 
how did what did you collaborate with David Lee Roth on, and how did that come to be? <laughs> oh God, was that was that fun? <laughs> that was that was great fun, and it was incredible. I was doing. I used to play. I lived in Miami for many many years before moving to uh, the New York uh-huh. area seven seven years ago, and. While I was going to college at the University of Miami, I used to work with an R&B band, which was so much fun. And I, I, I was able to polish my, my, my language, my English language uh-huh. to begin with, because I, I could barely speak English at the okay. time. And, and my musical language in that genre with these brothers from Fort Lauderdale, it was a great band. So we're doing this gig in this club in, in, in Fort Lauderdale. And then, you know, it's two in the morning. I'm packing my keywords, <laughs> uh, you know, in my car. I'm going home. I have two kids, you know, at home and a wife waiting uh-huh. for me. It's two in the morning. I got to go to school the next day, <laughs> you know. And this guy approaches me in the parking lot who I don't know who he is, uh-huh. you know. And he says, hey, Sylvan, how are you doing? I'm doing great, you know, and I'm putting things in my trunk, uh-huh. you know, tired. And he goes, would you like to play with David Lee Roth? And I go, yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> you know, and I keep, <laughs> you know, I keep doing my thing. Well, you know, if you're interested, you know, we need a keyboard player right now because we don't, I mean, and then I, he starts talking and then I realized this guy is really serious. Huh. You know, he's not pulling my leg. So I guess, you know, he had a band that was Miami okay. based from guys from Miami Soundlash. Miami Sound Machine oh, yeah. and other places. And he was uh, constructing this project, you know, he was doing this, uh, this new project. With it. it was a huge band. And they needed a keyboard player. I was the last piece that they wow. needed. And he went to that gig looking for huh. me. You know, this is, pre, this is pre-email. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, and pre-texting. So he gave me the tapes, learned the music. I'll see you Tuesday at four o'clock, but you gotta have everything memorized. Okay. And I sure did. I memorized the repertoire in two days, went to a rehearsal, and I got the gig. And we did some touring in Vegas and in the, you know, here in the States. It didn't last as long as I wanted uh-huh. to. It was a few months, like I don't know, three, four months. But it was so much fun. And he was such a great guy and a gracious guy. Yeah. And uh, I was really surprised. You know, I wasn't I was not expecting to have uh, you know, you have a, that image of this huge rock star, yeah. you know, and you expect so many different things. And then you meet the guy and the guy, they were so hip, so intelligent, smart yeah. and well-informed and great experience. That sounds like a fantastic experience. You know, is it, I love that. Oh, it was I, I love that story <laughs> because I, I just had a conversation with a couple of young musicians in the past couple of weeks. And the point that I made to them was that, your break can happen at any moment. You just have to be prepared for Absolutely. your break, right? You know, I taught for 10 years. I'm not, I'm not a teacher anymore. I haven't, since I moved to the New York area, I, I decided that I just wanted to play yeah. and write. You know, and I, so far, I've been able to, to make it, Yeah. you know, which is not easy. So, but while I was a teacher, I always told my students, always, no matter what, no matter where, you always play your very, very, very yeah. best. First, because out of respect for the music and for the opportunity that you have to earn a living making yeah. music, which, you know, not more one. And number two, because you never know who's in the audience. Yeah. You never know 
who is listening. And you never know, not only who's going to get you a gig, but also you never know who are you going to be able to inspire. Yeah. You know, that was a lesson that I was taught when I was 17 years old, but a great piano player. That was my really, my first jazz piano teacher. He was a Venezuelan pianist that went to Berkeley uh-huh. and went back to Caracas and he was teaching there. I was still living in Venezuela, obviously. And he gave me that lesson and I never forgot. Yeah. And it proved to be absolutely correct in all, you know, in every yeah. sense. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. So growing up in Venezuela and being introduced to jazz, what was it about jazz that captivated you? Well, it just, I don't know. I, it was love at first listening, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. I, I just, it was something about the language, something about the liberty of the freedom yeah. of, of, of the format. At the beginning, you know, I, I remember I, I bought a record. You know, we had a very limited access to jazz in Caracas. There was only, there were only, I don't know, three or four stores that would bring imported records, okay. you know. And so we would have limited access, as I said. So I remember buying this record that had McCoy oh, Tanner, wow. Chick Korea, Herbie, Han- Herbie Hancock, and Keith Jarrett. Wow. You know, it was a compilation. And I was, I don't know, I was 16, no more okay. than that. And it was so shocking because I, I couldn't really understand it at the time. But I knew that it wasn't their, it wasn't their fault. <laughs> I knew I knew it wasn't uh-huh. me. That, that wasn't you know. So I kept it. I kept that record. And then a couple of years later, I say, "Aha! I see. You know what these monsters yeah. are." Yeah, yeah. You know? And so stuff like that. And there was only when I was growing up, only one FM radio station, uh-huh. and the only jazz show on that station was one hour okay that's awesome let's listen to your song a song for jack part two
everybody. That was a song for Jacques Part Two by today's guest, Silvano Monasterios. And so tell me about your process for making music, Silvano. Like, what inspires you? How do you start? Like, is there something that you, that you just get an inkling of or you hear something and you go to the piano right away? Or how do you start? What happens in your process? Yeah, well, it's all available, but there are compositions that, you know, flow naturally and instantly you have a good format. But a lot of my music is just what I call, I like to call little musical cells mm. that I I write or I record and then eventually I get to it and I start the process of writing, which is actually the craft, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's really sitting down and working out these ideas. And some takes longer than, you know, take longer than others. But at the end of the day, it's a lot of work. Yeah. You know, you have to really sit on the piano and find your way and see how this makes sense and how you connect the dots of, of those ideas. So again, you know, some ideas develop, you know, some ideas develop in one day, some, some develop in one year. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. So, so how do you know when it's right, when it's ready to be released to the world? Is it just a feeling or is there like criteria that you have uh, that you're like, yeah. it's got to meet this? No. no, I feel it. It's a feeling. Yeah. You know, I got this idea. I play, I write it, I work on it. And then uh, I take it to my band or whatever format. I'm, you know, right now I'm working a lot in the trio okay. format, even though I love to work in a bigger format like quartet or quintet or sextet. Yep. But, you know, obviously, you know, trio is a lot easier for obvious reasons yeah. to, to find work for. So I take it to the band and, you know, and just try to corroborate that, you know, what I was hearing works. Yeah. yeah. You know? And I, I, it's funny because it, so far it has always worked, but every time... I am nervous. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. It's like I'm excited because I'm I'm excited. I I have like I have right now a, a big project. It's a non-net, and it's very challenging project. It's a very ambitious project, and I'm very nervous about it. I know it's gonna work, but I, until I, but I need to be sure, and I won't be sure until I get these nine musicians. Oh wow! To, you know, together. Yeah. You know, and. So I'm hoping that next year I can get that project started. But yeah, it's a yeah, feeling yeah. to answer the question. It's really okay, a feeling. Okay. Now you're someone who is a solo artist, but you've collaborated with lots of people over your career as well. So how do you make the decision that, you know, yeah, I'm going to collaborate here or no, you know, I don't want to put my time here. I want to put my time on, uh, keep my time on doing my thing. How do you make those decisions? Purely artistic decisions you know uh-huh. like i collaborated a lot with uh for instance sammy figueroa yeah. who is a very well-known precautionist and first of all i like sammy personally yeah. you know he's he's it's a lot of fun and then even though i'm not working with him anymore but during, during that period of time that we did three records together i think it was so much fun and i had the liberty of being yeah. myself and hopefully whoever wants me to collaborate i guess i've thinking about it while I'm trying to answer your question, I yeah. realized that I realized that the fact that I know that I'm going to be able to be who mm-hmm. I am art- artistically yeah. makes it viable okay. for me. Okay. You know, that's what, that's why I, I love working with uh, Gabriela. Yeah. I have a great relationship with Gabriela 
first of all, because I think she's a great musician. So I, I don't think she's just a singer. I think she's a great yeah. musician and very talented. And, and she, uh, she gives me so much freedom, yeah. you know, and it's so much fun to work with her because yeah. of that, because she, she appreciates me and wants me to be. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And when you reference Gabriella, you're talking about Gabriella Anders and, we just had yes. you. you Sorry. Oh, no, no, no worries, no worries. You just played as a part of played with Gabriella Anders at the Fresh Coast Jazz Festival in Milwaukee a couple of weeks ago. So was that your first time playing Milwaukee? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Actually, yeah. Hopefully not. Yeah, the last. yeah. Hopefully not the last <laughs> yeah. for sure. And I got to tell you, like you know, obviously, as someone sitting in the audience. It really did that. What you just said about you know your experience working with Gabriella, it really came off on across to people on stage that you guys were all mm. being your authentic selves, and it was, you know, I think it was one of the things that I do when I put on our Fresh Coast Jazz Festival is I try to bring talent to the stage that aren't just the same people that people see all the time. Introduce people to someone mm-hmm. that they haven't seen for a while or maybe haven't seen at all, right? right. And you right. you guys were so your band, you guys were so it was like you it was like you guys were all an extension of one another. Yeah, and that's truly the beauty of uh, of this music, which goes back to one of the, uh, your earlier questions because uh, another thing that brought me to this genre is is the level of communication that you can actually achieve mm-hmm. when you are with great music yeah you know it's truly magic it's truly magical i have that connection with gabriella i have that connection with with other musicians and and it's something that is hard to describe because it's it's truly that it's truly such a deep level of communication yeah. you know that that's what makes it yeah. fun yeah really. so what do you like before you go on stage for a gig are there like do you have like pre-show routines or anything or are you just super excited do you still get a little nervous or no no i'm all, i'm always excited and yeah. grateful. Uh-huh. that's really it i'm grateful every time i step on stage i am grateful for for having that opportunity one more time even more so after what have been what we have been through in the last yeah. couple of years yeah you know so now i i i, I mean i always was but but now i i have I don't take it for granted. It's such a gift of the universe to me, to us, to have that opportunity to just be there and be yourself and and create music. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it's a joyful moment. You know, I obviously you know have my routines about practicing and all that stuff, but yeah, but frankly, it's just. I'm just enjoying it, really. At this point in my life, it's such a joy. I don't get nervous. I get ex- I get excited. Yeah. About the opportunity, I'm grateful. Really, really grateful. I, and 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 I don't think, on up until this point, that I have enjoyed this so much as yeah, like, good. To be quite honest with you, yeah. Good, good. Yeah. Is that just a function of, of you know what we went through with COVID and the appreciation, or is it a function of other well, things? It's, it's, uh, well, it's, it's getting old, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess I understand that piece. It's, it's becoming, because, you know what? Because at, uh, at this point in my life, I am, we, we try to prove so many things to so many people and to, yeah. and to ourselves yeah. for so many years, you know. And 
once you get rid of that and accept yourself for who you are, yeah, you know, and understand truly who you are as an artist and as a human being, uh, those chains are broken. Yeah. And uh, for me, it has taken so many years to get to that point. Yeah. So at this point, at this point, I, I'm finally at that juncture where, you know, I'm just grateful to be doing what I'm doing and I enjoying it and, and, and I'm doing it, you know, with all my heart. Yeah. Truly, that's, that's about it. That's fantastic. Well, let's take a listen to another one of your songs. Sure. How about we listen to uh, Partly Sunny? Sure. All right. Sure.
Hey everybody, we just heard Partly Sunny by Silvano Monasterios. And so tell us a little bit about the origins of that song, Silvano. Well, my dad has something to do with that. Okay. Or not. Okay. <laughs> because, because my dad was a fan of a piano player from the Dominican Republic. And this guy, I remember being probably nine or 10 years old uh-huh. and buying a, 40, a buying a 45. And now, now people can guess my age, you know, buying a 45, <laughs> <laughs> right? For him as a present of this guy, okay. he, had, he, he played only instrumentals, but he was mere, uh, Dominican merengue. This okay. guy, the style is called merengue. Merengue Dominicano. And he used to love it because the guy would, you know, he, he would play stuff, you know, on his own that, that he worked out from him. His name was Damiron. And he okay. was very well known in the Caribbean. You know, so I wanted to do a tune that had that Dominican merengue rhythm. Yeah. You know, and that was uplifting and that was, you know, that, and that mixed that with the Venezuelan folklore. Mm-hmm. A little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's how that came out. That came up. You know? Yeah, I tell you, I, um, as I listen to you, there's a commonality that I'm hearing, and that is for for both you and I, the influence of our fathers in our in our in our association with music. You know, and I mu- and I must say, my mother too. My mother, uh, my mother is is huge in my musical upbringing. Okay, because even though she was not, you know, she she did she was not a musician or anything close to it. But she would listen to music in the kitchen, okay, all the time. Yeah, all the time. So I remember getting up, and my mom was in the kitchen, and the radio was on, and I would, and I that's how I became familiar with all these melodies, these all all these old melodies, you know, from mm-hmm. Venezuelan music and, and and Latin American music in general, you know, and they came to serve me. You know, they're part of my vocabulary. Yeah, yeah. You know? And without her knowing, that became a huge influence in my vocabulary, uh-huh. my musical, you know, vocabulary. Yeah, yeah. So both of them were huge. Yeah, and they didn't know they were doing that. Yeah, frankly. yeah. <laughs> you know, there was my dad used to play, I used to play with him four hands on, you know, I would accompany on the lower half of the piano. Uh-huh. Upper part. And uh, that would be every time we had a party, you know, I had to huh. play with him. That's but, cool. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was really cool. But then, kind of the time, when, when he realized that I wanted to be a professional musician, he really was not happy. Okay. <laughs> you okay. Know, he wanted okay. me to be like him. He wanted me to, to be a doctor like him. Okay. You know, and stuff like that. And I understand why, you know, I, I, I you know. I understand why at the yeah. time, you know, there would be a hesitation, you know, for you, you are really going to be a musician. Are you really going to be able to make a living? Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. So I don't, I don't judge him for that. And I can probably say that eventually I proved him wrong and he became yeah. my biggest fan. That's cool. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So Silvano, we have this segment that we do on the show. It's called bout it or doubt it. So, okay. I doubt it. 
So if mm-hmm. you're if you're about okay. it, it's something that you like. If you doubt it, it's something okay. that you're not quite feeling. Can we uh, twist your arm and get you to play? All right. I'll, hopefully, okay. I, I'll survive it. Uh, you will. You will. I promise. <laughs> All right. So we're going to spin okay. the wheel, okay. and we're going to get you a category first, okay? Okay. All right. Let's spin the wheel. All right, Silvano, your category is adventure, all right? Mm. Bout it or doubt it, scuba diving. Well, I I never done it. I've okay. done snorkeling and I love it. Okay. You know, okay. Yeah, so are, I guess that's it. Okay. Are <laughs> you are you it, are you avid yeah. at snorkeling or is that something you have done many times? Well, or? you know, while I was living in Miami, I had the, the time of you know, I did it with my kids actually in the Caribbean in a few in a couple of islands too. So oh, I have cool. great memories snorkeling snorkeling with my kids. Yeah. That's you know, what can be better than what can be better than that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no kidding. How many kids do you have? Two. Two, okay. Okay, great, great, great. Yeah. Have they followed in your footsteps at all, or? No, no, they didn't. I thought my son was going to be because he had the he had great ears and great hands for the piano. But at the end of the day, he said, mm, "This is no." Okay. You know, he, okay. You know, he he decided to go a different route. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's ask you one more about it or doubt it question. Okay. Yeah. About it or doubt it? Parachuting. Oh, that's another thing I would have loved to do. Yeah, okay. You know, and I had the chance, and I don't know really why I didn't, because they had great places in South Florida to do that. Oh, yeah. And I never did it, I guess, because I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I blame myself. I, yeah. would love, I would have loved to do it, yeah. Still, it's not too late, right? I mean, you, know, no, you, no, you still not... got a chance. Yeah, I still got a chance. I still got a chance. I tell you, it's something my wife really wants to do this, and I'm I'm toying with the idea of giving her this as a present, but I think I'm too petrified to to think about that one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame you. (laughs) I can't think about jumping out of a plane or anything. So, so I don't blame you. Yeah. So your musical tastes clearly are very diverse. What, as you're in your, you know, hanging out at home or driving around town, what are you listening to these days? Actually, I'm for the for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. I have become hooked with a with new music. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a friend of mine. I highly recommend it. His name is Rafael Greco. Okay. G R E C O, and he just put out his first his very first album, and I love it. I, ha- huh. I, I haven't been able to stop listening to it. Okay. Yeah. So and he's doing really well in radio in the states, as I as I understand. Okay. Great. Other than that, I go back to my, you know, I, I listen to a lot of my favorite records these days, you know, stuff that I always go back to because I, and I, because, and I go back to them not only because of any kind of nostalgia or anything, mm-hmm. but because I still find something there. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I haven't listened to this music for years. And and it still gives me, you know, it's the gift that never yeah. that keeps on giving, you know. Yeah. yeah, that's those are the best records, you know. Yeah. So I listen to classical music too, um, you know. Like I, I I always once a week I end up listening to a recording of a pianist by the name of Ivo Pogorelic. Okay. Of the back English suites, for instance, is an incredible record that I still listen to it 
right now I'm listening to, well, also because I need to practice a lot, but, but I love the music. But the music that I'm actually playing, uh -huh. I just did a record with our fourth record with Troy Roberts and a band called New Jive. Okay. And it's a great record and just came out a few months ago. And I've been listening to it right now just to, no, not only because I like it, because I actually need to practice uh -huh. music. <laughs> you know, I go back to the, uh, and when it comes to jazz, I listen a lot to, to the older, you know, the, to, to all the old masters. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm listening to these days. Okay, cool. So when you aren't making music, what do you do for fun? What do you do to unwind? I play racquetball. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, I play racquetball, and it's such a—that's my therapist. Uh huh. Yeah, it's, uh -huh. it's a great—it's a great—it's a great sport. I jump in that court, and for two hours, nothing exists, nothing, absolutely nothing, just yeah. the competition. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. I've been playing. I've been doing that for many, many, many years. Okay. To the point that I that I had really bad knees now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Know? Okay. But but actually, I had one bad knee. Yeah. That but no, I'm still playing. That's awesome. So yeah, it's a great it's yeah, it's it's a great way for me to unwind and and completely different to whatever else I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So I've been mm -hmm. doing that for 30 years. Wow, 30 years. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you probably yeah, yeah. have a hell of a kill shot now, right? I'm pretty good. Yeah. I, I like I, I won't I won't be modest. Yeah, good. You shouldn't <laughs> I like, be. I like to think I like to think I'm pretty good, you know, yeah. for an amateur, of course. I'm not a professional, right? That's a fun sport. I used to play. I used to play racquetball back in the day too. I haven't played in a very, very long time, but it is a lot of fun, and it's quite the workout too. It is an incredible workout. Yeah, I believe that racquetball have saved my my life truly. Huh? You know, my, my yeah, I really do because it has been so helpful for my mental health. You know, yeah, and for my fitness. You know, yeah, that God, that's really important for me. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So yeah. what would, advice would you t give your 13-year-old self about life, Silvano? Oh, God. <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> well, be humble. Be humble, be hungry. Never give up. Yeah, yeah. Those are all great things. And I, I love, you know. I, I love the fact that you said be humble and be hungry because those two things can coexist. I believe so. Yeah. I yeah. believe so. Yeah. yeah. Like you can be hungry and you can achieve, but you don't have to, you don't have to do it at the expense of others all the time. Right. But you can still be very hungry. No. You know? No, absolutely. You know, I was guilty of charge at one point. You know? Uh huh. But, you know, life, life teaches you those lessons. Hopefully you learn them, you know? Yeah. The problem is when, when you are, you know, when, when life is trying to teach you over and over certain things that, and you don't get them, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, that humility thing is one of the things that, you know, when you guys were in Milwaukee at the Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, my daughter wants to be a singer, right? And mm -hmm. she's a pretty good singer right now. She's a soft, she's a junior in high school. And... After she got a chance to meet Gabriella, she came to me. I told Gabriella this. I sent her an email and told her this. My daughter came to me and she said, if I ever become famous, I want to be like Gabriella because she treats everybody mm -hmm. so nice and she's so kind of a person, you know. She's a kind person. Yeah. She's a kind spirit. Yes, yeah, she, she really is. And I think that humility thing, like there's, you can, you can be humble, you can be good to people, 
but you can achieve too when you can reach mm-hmm. for the highest heights in whatever it is that you do, right? No, not only that, but when you're a leader, when you have a band, I have experienced that as a band leader and as mm-hmm. a sideman. You know, when, when you do those things, you get so much more out of the people around you. Yeah, yeah. You know, because people want to be their best, uh, at their best for you. Yeah, you know. yeah. And it's something that I've seen. I've seen both sides. Yeah, and I will name names. Yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> obviously, sure. Obviously. Yeah. But, but I've seen those sides. Like, I remember, well, I'll, I'll mention one name. One of my favorite gigs ever in my whole life was with an amazing multi-instrumentalist by the name of Ira Sullivan, who uh-huh. passed a couple of years ago. And this guy was truly an incredible musician, you know, and, and he he played with the who is who of the, you know, real jazz scene when yeah. the jazz scene was the real jazz scene, you know, yeah. with, the, with the pioneers and masters, you know, Coltrane and, and Bird and, mm-hmm. you know, all those guys, you know, and he lived that environment. He played with them. He knew them. And um, his energy on stage was so beautiful, so strong that you could only, you know, aspire to get better and get better. And he certainly would get absolutely my best effort and the best effort of anybody. Uh-huh. And that took that as a lesson right away. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I've seen the other side too. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I have a couple of questions I love to ask all of our guests. So I'm going to throw these at you now, Silvano. You, mm-hmm. You're having a dinner party and you can invite any three people, living or deceased. Who's coming to your dinner party and what's on the menu? Oh my God. Well, <laughs> the menu is easy, Venezuelan food. Okay. Okay. You know, I, I get everybody at Airpass and uh, yeah. Venezuelan food. Three people. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll exclude the, the, the loved ones because those are obvious. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that would be a different. <laughs> yeah. A different, different occasion. <laughs> right. So I would definitely include. God, that's so tough because I have so many people to, that I look up to. Mm-hmm. But let, I would say President Obama. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I would say Carlos Fuentes, a great Mexican writer. Yeah. And I would say Gandhi. Oh, yeah. Those are great. Oh, man. Those are great ones. Those are great choices. That'd be a heck of a party. Yeah, that kind of weird, you know. I don't know if they mix well together, but, but well, I tell you what. One I don't know, thing, it's such a hard, you, look, I can come up with a very, very long list of people that I look up to. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's a tough one. You know, that's but really a tough. I can imagine that'd be great conversation at that party, though. That'd be great conversation. So, and the, the other one I love to ask is your three favorite albums of all time. What are they? Oh wow, that's even harder. <laughs> That's even harder. That's even harder. Oh, Lord. Okay. Lyle Mace. Mm. And it's called, it's his first record. It's, okay. So it's called Lyle Mace. I love that record. Now he sings, now he sobs. Chick Korea. Okay. Yeah. God. <laughs> I got, who do I call? I would say The Night Trap, Donald Fagan. Oh yeah, yeah, that's another great one. 
great. I could say Asia too. A actually, I would say Asia. Yeah. Because Asia, I I discovered Asia when I was fifteen. Uh huh. US, and and uh, it was my again my neighbor. I owe him too, Alejandro. Uh -huh. I owe him so much because he had so much, so, so many great records at his place. Yeah. You know, that I didn't know existed, and he had a promotional vinyl of Asia, and I, oh wow, he put that on, and I was like, what is this? Uh huh. You know. So, and uh yeah i would say agent so did you ever ask alejandro how he got his hands on this stuff like if you there know, was i never did yeah no i never did i don't know i mean he was a he, he was a music lover sure and mm -hmm. his older sister was you know but they had you know like 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 they had great great records you know and, and rock and roll records i remember i became fan of queen oh yeah who, by the way, I saw them thanks to my older sister. I owe so much to my older sister. Uh -huh. She put me in contact with, with, with this music that otherwise... Uh, that's the best show, by the way. Best show I have ever seen in my life. Wow. Wow. You know, with Freddie Mercury, still alive. Uh -huh. You know, they were, they were touring uh, Latin America and they stopped in Caracas and I was 14 years old and I saw Queen and I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> It's like... Wow. Wow. Uh, unbelievable musicianship. So you can see how far wide my tastes are oh yeah because i was exposed to all this stuff you know i was so lucky really yeah you know and it comes across that, it, that yeah it definitely comes across in your music and and let's let's listen to one more of your songs this is uh mira la luna mm-hmm
And everybody, again, that was today's guest, guest Silviano Monasterios with Mira la Luna. So, Silvano, what does the rest of, what does next year, the rest of this year and next year hold for you? What do you have going on, new projects and events and touring yeah. and things like that? Sure, I'll be this weekend, mid-October, I'll be in uh, Texas in a jazz festival with a great percussionist that I work with a lot, Bobby Sanabria. Yeah. Which, uh, I'll be, uh, well, actually, he was with us. Yeah, uh, sure uh, was. And he's going to be on the show soon, Milwaukee. too. Right. right. I'll be with him this weekend. Then I'm going to Australia for, we're doing, a, with this band that I mentioned, Troy Roberts, New yeah. Jive. Yeah, we're the headliners. We're the headliners for the Perth uh, Jazz Festival in in first week of November. Wow! Yeah, that's gonna be so much fun because Troy is actually from that city. He lives in New York and he's having a great career in New York, but he's from Perth. Now he's going back home to be a headliner in his hometown, and so that's I'm, cool. I'm so happy for him. You know, it's gonna be a huge moment for him. And then uh, early spring, I'm releasing a um, my first solo piano record. Okay. That is called Solo in Paris, and uh, hopefully by early spring it will be out. So I'll make sure you have a copy of that. That'd be great. Yeah, and uh, those are the most immediate uh, things right now. Yeah. Well, Silvano, I gotta tell you, man, I I'm so glad that I've had a chance to get to know you a little bit. I appreciate you spending time with us today and your music is truly a gift everybody silvano what's your website so people can go and explore and and get your information it's silvanomonasterios.com is my name great silvanomonasterios.com great so everybody be sure to go out listen to his music and find if you can find him on the road playing go and see him it will be well worth your time so Silvano, thank you so much for your time today, man, and we wish you all the best. Thank you, Carl. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you so much. Pleasure's all ours. All right, my friend. Thank you. All right. Take care. You too. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage.